A warm welcome to all our listeners. We are glad to return with our third season titled Beyond the Boardroom, wherein we try to explore the nuances of businesses and how they operate and most importantly the experiences and learnings of the individuals who run the show. For our first episode, we have a very special guest with us. He completed his MBA in finance from SP Jain along with clearing CFA level 3. He's been part of organizations like Standard Chartered Bank and Bank Bazaar. Currently, he's the senior director cross selling at Lending Card. Welcome Mazin sir. We are honored to have you with us. Thanks Pius, Pius, thanks for that introduction. Pleasure to be at Mica uh, for this uh, podcast. And thanks for this opportunity. So so that was quite an interesting introduction that I've heard in a really long time. You started out as an electric engineer, worked at Indian Oil Corporation for around 2 years and then a complete turn of events altogether. We know you want so much respect in the retail finance industry. But can you just tell us how did this all start? How did a boy from a small town like Sultanpur, following the route of a conventional public sector job, decided to pivot towards the big financial corporate world as I would like to call it? So I'll tell you uh, I think I did engineering primarily because of peer pressure. Uh, while I was not bad at maths, but I don't think that was my core strength. I joined Indian Oil simply because I had um, so so it was a campus placement. I think I got an offer primarily because of the marks that I had, and I joined Indian Oil. I think during my days at Indian Oil, I realized two things: one, uh, engineering is not my core competency, uh, which means that if asked to do, I could probably do it, but that's not something that was giving me a kick. Uh, I think that is one. Two, uh, in a typical public sector organization, the growth would have been limited and time bound. and i would say i was a little impatient to wait for my turn my turn to come before i become a senior manager or a general manager or executive director uh, so i wanted to fast pace my career and get into something where i had a greater uh, sense of things right or sort of to say core competency and that is when i decided to do mba and i decided i at that point of time i decided maybe i'll get into either finance or marketing i thought that's my core competency and probably get into a sector get into a career where i can grow grow quickly so that was the reason i uh, took that call from a public sector organization to uh, to do mba and so how has this journey panned out for you how has this experience been so far from starting you know like you said like from a small town a public conventional job to now being the senior director at lending card how has this entire turn of events worked for you So, so to be very honest, I haven't planned. Uh, I, I never planned for ten years or five years, but I think I always had a plan for this month or maybe this year and next year. And that I was very sure about. That what is it that I want to do in the next six months or in the next one month or in the next uh, one or two years? I think that I had a very clear plan about that. So obviously, two thousand eight, ten, I didn't plan that. You know, I'll be doing what I'm doing today. But I was very clear about, as I said, about my short term and so, so to say the medium term plan. And I think one thing that uh, has worked for me is uh, I sort of know what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses, what is it that I want, and I've been able to channelize my energy to achieve those things, achieve those smaller milestones that I have. And then after two years, you know, think okay, what I've what have I done in the last two years, and then think okay, uh, next this is what I want to do. So I think that's how my career has been. Uh, in two thousand four, when I joined my engineering college, I didn't think that I'll do an MBA. 
आई वॉन्टेड मे बी पब्लिक सेक्टर जॉब और सिविल सर्विसेज जॉब बट देन आई डेड इंजीनियरिंग आई टू का जॉब I took a core sector job because I didn't like want to go into tech job. I didn't want an IT job, so I took a public sector job. I thought this will at least be better than a pure tech job. So I think that's how uh, my life has been. Know your strength, know your weakness, and uh, at least have a clear plan for the short term. And I think uh, that's how my life uh, has been throughout. Great, sir. I think it's really helpful to break your plans into short term and long term, and having the smaller milestones in your mind. So before we begin with all the finance talk, could you just brief our listeners a little bit about the fintech space in our country, and where do you think lending card comes into the picture? So see, uh, finance as a core concept has always existed, right? I think it has existed for thousands of years. Uh, finance or financial product typically consists of banks that take deposits from you and give out loans. They give out loans to retail customers or consumers like you and me, and they give out loans uh, to larger corporates, larger companies like Reliance and Tata and the world. So, so we have banks. Uh, if I talk about core finance or so to say the traditional finance industry, right? So there are banks, and then they do a host of other activities like investment banking, etc. Then you have insurance firm that sell uh, that manufacture and sell insurance products. Uh, you have mutual fund that uh, so to say sell investment products, and then you are you have stock brokers, etc. who sort of uh, help you invest in stock market right so this is how the traditional finance industry has been in our country right what is fintech is fintech is finance plus technology use technology to do things that traditional banks can't do at all or cannot do it efficiently right so either try and do new things in the finance industry by using technology or do things more efficiently and effectively that's typically is uh, how i would define fintech as now as far as fintechs are concerned there are uh, broadly four categories in which uh, fintech in india can be divided one is the manufacturer so the fintech companies which manufacture a financial product again you can divide uh, fintech manufacturers into uh, broadly lending fintechs and insurance fintech lending fintechs are fintechs which actually give out a loan to the customer lending card is one such uh, firm which actually gives out loan to the customer you would have heard about cashy uh, maybe heard about paysense early salary incred Uh, etc so these are all manufacturers because they are all uh, nbfc rbi regulated entity which give out loans to customers second fintech uh, we have insurance i think the largest name we have there is aqua general insurance they are also a manufacturer so they create insurance product and sell out uh, to customer however their distribution is purely digital unlike an icici prudential or an hgfc or go whose distribution is uh, both digital as well as uh, physical however aqua has only digital distribution and it's a insurance fintech or insure tech next in the insurance space right after manufacturers come the distributors distributors are companies fintech companies who don't manufacture a product but distribute financial products created by manufacturers to customers so bank bazaar was a distributor or policy bazaar was a distributor policy bazaar doesn't create insurance product policy bazaar sells insurance product that is created by let's say an aqua general insurance or an icici uh, prudential or an hgfc ergo right so it is a distributor similarly bank bazaar right bank bazaar was a distributor which is selling loans and credit card that banks nbfc fintech etc sell right so uh, or in mutual fund you have a lot of firms like uh, et money you have bro uh, ubera all these firms that don't manufacture mutual fund and investment product they sell the uh, investment products mutual fund product that is created by other manufacturers so this is about the distributors so we have discussed manufacturers we have discussed distributors 
third category of fintech firms are fintech firms that provide solutions to manufacturing so these uh, solution providers don't interact uh, directly with our customer so even if our even if our firm is using a solution provider uh, product a customer will not know but they provide a solution that our uh, financial manufacturer uses so for example there are firms that provide digital kyc solutions to banks and mbfc you would have heard about signzy indify idify etc right so they provide digital kyc solution uh, there are companies that provide fraud solution anti fraud solution right uh, again signzy perfuse etc one of the largest in which provide digital fraud anti fraud solution there are companies that provide chatbot solutions right with that banks insurance companies etc use you would have seen the use of chatbot in let's say swiggy etc as well uh very new there's no human being at the at the other end talking to you there's a chatbot talking to you so similarly there are a lot of firms that are providing such solutions to uh, banks nbfcs insurance companies etc and similarly you have uh, companies that provide tech solutions for digitizing the process uh you have companies that provide which provide solution wherein you can retrieve documents digitally again perfuse yodly yono are some of the largest companies in this field so these companies are into b2b space the first two manufacturers and distributors were b2c companies uh solution providers are b2b companies wherein they provide digital solutions to uh, only the uh, banks nbfcs fintech etc so they are into b2b business the fourth important set of fintechs and i think they are the largest and the most prominent are payment fintechs to give you some name there is paytm there is phone pay there is uh, razer pay there is google pay so these companies provide you a mechanism for for you to make a payment digitally you can use upi you can use their wallet etc they help you only to make payments digitally right so while so these are these are four categories manufacturers distributors solution providers to manufacturers and payment companies uh, that's how i divide uh, fintechs in the country uh, payment forms are obviously most popular uh, because all of us interact with these payment forms uh, payment fintechs on a daily basis that was an amazing way to explain so honestly speaking for a person like me who is not much into finance or tech at all i think this couldn't have been explained in a better way and it was quite an interesting analogy to put it out there so so finance and tech is something that was very evident and it's working beautifully for all of us and given the entire situation that we are in this in this entire pandemic situation there is a high probability of default also but at the same time the use of digitization has increased immensely do you see a scope for the fintech industry to be specific to boom so the impact of covid or let's say impact of any other thing that happens in future will be very sector specific within the fintech uh, space and uh, i divided into four categories right and i'll we'll discuss the impact of covid on each of these categories first comes the manufacturers uh, which is the loan manufacturers like the likes of lending card i think as you rightly said the defaults have increased the probability of defaults have increased the actual defaults delinquency etc have increased so to that extent there will be a negative impact on the business of these firms their ability to lend has been impacted their profitability their revenue etc will be impacted this has already happened this has already happened for most of the fintechs that are almost all the fintechs that operate in the country however i think the good thing is all of them are surviving none of them are going bust you take all the top 8 10 names or i would say 12 names that are there uh, in the lending space fintech all of them are surviving and all of them while going through a bad period uh, will still survive next if we come to insurance fintech they are doing a tremendous job uh, 
simply because one the need for insurance has increased everyone has seen risk and hence everyone wants to be insured for that risk and second uh, you want to buy products digitally you don't want to go to a branch and buy insurance so they uh, the business for the likes of aqua which are insurance tech or insurance fintech has is booming tremendously so this is about manufacturing distributors again firms that are loan distributor like bank bazaar are negative impacted because fintechs or banks are conservative in terms of giving out loans insurance distributors again are doing tremendously paisa bazaar the likes of paisa bazaar and uh, cover crop etc are doing very very well because again as i said uh, people want to buy insurance in this high risk scenario and uh, they want to buy digitally there in fact there's no other way to buy insurance right now right uh, so so that so that's about uh, the manufacturers and distributors if you uh, talk about solution providers they again are doing amazingly well because every bank till date right till the covid hit 80 or 90% of the business for banks used to come through a pure offline process digital was a 5% sub 10% of business for the banks right now however because of the covid scenario branches are shut or branches are operating at skeletal staff people are remote working customers are not working through branches uh, the only way for customers to interact with banks to do customer acquisition etc is digitally and hence they need the services of these solution provider fintechs to build those solutions by which they can interact with customer digitally or onboard customer digitally so all these firms uh, that i named the signzy id5 perfuse xyardly yono etc are doing very well and they will uh, continue to do well and similarly if i talk about payments in any case was growing 2x every year uh, the payment companies continue to do amazingly well simply because people are buying digitally and hence paying digitally or even when they are buying uh, from a shop they want to minimize the interaction with the shopkeeper they don't want to exchange notes they don't want to exchange credit card and hence they are using uh, paying through a paytm or a google pay etc so with the exception of uh, loan manufacturers everyone is positively impacted and will continue to remain so and even when you talk about loan manufacturers the negative impact that we see is more cyclical uh, once the economy comes becomes better let's say in the next 6 to 12 months or 18 months i think even the loan manufacturers will get back to the old numbers get back to the old uh, sort of revenue number dispersal numbers etc uh, that was there so this was great like a very positive news amidst this pandemic that right now like all the segments of the fintech space are going to go in the positive direction so now we were going through the website of yours and we found that there was a dedicated section for startups and you know it's it's heartening to see that one of the startups is helping the other startups to scale up so to add to that this year mica has also started an entrepreneurship program and that provides students an opportunity to start their own businesses do you have any tips and tricks for these budding entrepreneurs what i would say is try and solve a problem uh, if you are starting your own firm uh, try to solve a problem and broadly i would divide any startup into three categories uh, one is uh, companies that don't do a new thing but don't provide a new solution but redesign an existing solution which is either more effective or more efficient to take an example jio right jio is providing you telecom services other firms are providing it even before jio but what jio did was they made the customer acquisition process extremely simple and they changed the pricing strategy right or let's talk about nika right nika is not doing anything new right nika is selling fashion products to customers even previously you could buy those fashion products but it was a more difficult process right now what nika does is a lot of fashion products that customers need it provides you one interface by which you can order those fashion products in a very easy manner right? 
So this is one example of uh, redesign an existing solution. I think the second is to create a new solution for a known problem. Let's take an example of movers and packers. Whenever people shift home, there is a problem that first you have to pack your stuff. And then when you pack your stuff, you have to call a truck wala or a tractor wala to transport your stuff. And then once they uh, put the stuff back into your new home, you have to uh, unpack and uh, set, right? This was a very cumbersome process. There used to be a lot of losses because we are not pack it, packing specialists, right? People used to incur a lot of losses. Movers and packers solve this problem by saying, you don't have to worry about anything. Leave your home as it is. We will pack it, we will transport it, and we will unpack it completely. And so, and the next kind of a firm is the likes of VFAS that again, you know, in a pandemic situation, a lot of people had stuff, documents, etc. to be transferred. They didn't want to travel. And hence, a company like VFAS came that is solving a known problem. The third kind of a entrepreneur should be someone who solves a problem that is not known. So no one realizes it's a problem. So it finds, identifies a problem. It could be a latent problem or anything. And then creates a solution for that. Examples will be Google, right? No one ever said that uh, there should be an easy way to search something online, right? But they thought of a problem that didn't exist or sort of say, so to say, existed, but no one knew about it. So they create, they found out the problem and then found out the solution. So I think these are three categories of entrepreneurs that typically exist in the market. You should identify uh, which category you are and at the end, be very sure that you are solving a problem. You becoming an entrepreneur will solve a problem. And so just one thing I want to ask, like, uh, since you're belonging to a retail lending industry, so uh, could you just give us a little bit of picture, like how could startups make you this retail lending scenario? To be very honest, startups usually don't get debt financing. Uh, it's extremely difficult for a startup that has started six months, one year, or maybe a two year back to get debt financing. More often than not, uh, a better way to raise funds for uh, startups is their own funds, family funds. Uh, funds from family, friends, etc., or through an equity financing, wherein uh, VC funds, uh, angel funds, etc., fund. So equity is a better way for funds uh, for startups to raise funds. But however, if you don't want, let's say, to uh, dilute your equity, there are some venture debt firms, uh, Innovan Capital, Trifecta Capital, Alteria Capital, etc., which provide venture debt solution. Uh, getting fund debt funding for a startup is a difficult thing, especially when you are just starting up. However, as I said, there are some, some solutions that exist in the market. Even Lending Card does that. But Lending Card doesn't do it for startups that have just started. It typically does it for slightly more mature startups who have some revenue, etc. This is one of the other things that we do. So we don't focus on startup funding per se. We focus more on funding small uh, self-employed customers where the business has been existing for at least uh, two years, etc. Thank you, Mazan, sir. That was beautifully answered. And now, since the theme of this season is beyond the boardroom, and we wanted to rope in and get an opinion straight from the experts, to ask you questions also, we thought, why not bring in an expert ourselves? So we have called our very dear faculty members. And the one who's going to ask you a question today is Professor Gaurav Sharma. He is a visiting faculty at MICA, and currently he is taking the course for mobile marketing. Uh, so we will play a small audio clip for you. Uh, where he's going to ask you a question and then it will be wonderful if you could answer that. A warm hello to all the listeners and uh, thanks a lot uh, uh, Micah for um, featuring me on my cast. Um, it's really an honor to be a part of your podcast. My name is Gaurav Sharma. I am the Chief Business Officer at Near Dot Store. 
we are a hyperlocal e-commerce platform and we help digitize um, uh, Kirana and medical stores. So my first question, uh, Manzin, is more towards the, the basic promise of uh, lending card, which is instant loans. And you promise uh, to do that uh, without documentation and collateral, i.e. unsecured loans. Well, on one hand, it's very interesting uh, for the business owner that the loan disbursement is, uh, is instant. But how do you as lending card mitigate the risk that comes along you know, with an unsecured loan? How do you ensure that um, you know, your prospects and your business interests are taken care of in the long run? As rightly said, uh, we give out loans without collateral. However, uh, we don't typically give out loans without documents. However, the documentation requirement at Lending Card is minimal. And that's how uh, we are different from a bank or an NBFC. How we typically do is a bank or an NBFC will collect multiple documents and then take out uh, data from those multiple documents to decide whether or not to give out a loan. However, what we do is we take just one uh, income or financial document, which is the bank statement. And so instead of collecting multiple documents and then, you know, getting multiple data points from those documents, what we do is we use artificial intelligence and machine learning and collect multiple data points from the same document. So that is where the power of analytics, that is where the power of artificial intelligence, machine learning, etc. come into place, you know, wherein with the same documents, we are able to extract more data points, we are able to extract more insights about the customer. And hence, we are able to do an underwriting such that we give out loans to our customer that a bank may not give out to and however yet keep our NPA numbers etc in control. Uh, just to give you a sense our NPA number even though we operate in one of the most risky segments as far as loans are concerned which is unsecured loans to self-employed customers our NPA numbers are around 2.8 to 3 percentage and you know uh, we've been able to keep those numbers in check the model itself keeps increasing and our delinquency number businesses etc keeping so to say the reason is uh, we're able to do what uh, we do is because of AIM and analytics. Sure, sir. So now I'll play the second question. My second question is more for the tough and trying times that we all are seeing and facing due to COVID-19. Uh, now as Dot store, we work very closely with Kirana stores, with medical and general stores. Though some businesses are doing well, uh, some businesses are, are struggling. So how do you as lending card see uh, this segment especially? Do you find this, uh, uh, you know, a time where opportunity is beckoning for those businesses looking to expand themselves? Um, or, uh, you know, is lending card facing challenging times with, uh, you know, small and medium enterprise businesses uh, shutting down and facing challenges in growing their revenue and their customer base? Sure, so I, I think very relevant question. So the impact of COVID has such being that you know the impact has been very sector specific hospitality uh, entertainment these are sectors that have heavily that are heavily impacted and these are some of the sectors where the maximum shutdowns etc right businesses shutting down etc are going to happen some of the sectors which are relatively less impacted or rather not impacted or rather positively impacted are kirana store fmcg stores medical stores etc and fortunately most of our loans were to self employed customers who are local Kirana store, who are local medical store, etc. So, so these are the sectors which are which are coping very well with lockdown and you know COVID situation, etc. And we continue to fund them. Some of the sectors where we used to fund, like restaurants, etc., are obviously negative impacted, and those are the sectors where we have reduced our funding. 
as far as the loans which are already given out these customers are impacted and you know uh, as per rbi guidelines we gave moratorium to a lot of these customers and we continue to handhold them to see as to you know what is the best way uh, you know in which at least some of them can bounce back and you know come back to business uh, however we do understand that not all of them will come back and they would the people have to bear some losses which will happen because some of these sectors some of the borrowers from these high impact sectors uh, don't come, come back to business as usual so so those are kind of the losses we'll have to take and we have done a lot of provisioning for these expected loss already okay sir so now the next question is from a student from pgp1 his name is chintan shah so he asks do you see any viable application of blockchain technology for providing a unified portal for retail lending for msmes across india and having a robust mechanism to reduce the lending risk and increase the volumes sure so two things one i think blockchain i am not an expert on blockchain unfortunately uh, so can't speak much about how and uh, blockchain etc will be used in fintech however the other part of the problem right wherein piyush is talking about uh, uh, using a common uh, data points right that everyone can use for underwriting right i think that is something that is already happening it's called open banking i don't know whether open banking uses blockchain or uses some other technology but you know creating a common data source that everyone can use uh, to do underwriting or to uh, give out any financial product is already happening and what happens is in open banking is let's say there are 100 banks in india 100 nbfcs in india you become a partner in an open bank so what happens is if you contribute so it works on a community system if you contribute data to that open bank you can use that data of the open bank so which means you give out data of your own customers but if you want data from that open bank uh, you can access data from it so what it does is it helps you in underwriting it reduces your cost of origination cost of operation etc whether or not it uses blockchain i think is something that uh, even i don't know at this point of time i think maybe i'll do some bit of research as to what is the role of blockchain as far as open banking is concerned and this open banking system is a RBI something that RBI has allowed so it has given open banking license to a few players and you know this is some this is a infrastructure mm-hmm. that is created with the regulatory uh, permission so uh, to give you an example of open banking it's similar to let's say using a facebook account or a google login to create an account on flipkart or a nika or a swiggy right so the account is on google banking so what it says is since you already have a verified account on google you use the same credentials and you know open an account on flipkart also so it's very similar you have a bank statement with hdfc bank you use the same hdfc bank uh, bank statement to open a to take a loan from uh, icic bank or you already have opened uh, taken insurance from uh, one firm and you use the kyc or your experience that you have had with that insurance firm to take insurance from another firm so that's how uh, the open banking thing works uh, similar to how a google or a facebook credentials helps you to log in into a flipkart or amazon okay so the next question is from pranav dar he is also from pgp1 so he asked how is co lending different from retail Sorry. lending and how safe is retail lending in comparison to the other existing models in the same space so see uh, retail lending is not a new concept let me just uh, maybe try and answer that what is lending lending is when you give out a loan to someone it's a regulated industry only people who are allowed by rbi to do that do so uh, typically banks nbfc and microfinance institution are the three kinds of institution that give out loans or lend now lending is broadly divided into two parts one is the retail lending and second is the corporate lending retail lending is when you give out loans to 
individuals like yourself and myself, uh, you and me, or when you give out loans to, let's say, small businessmen, etc. Whereas corporate lending is when you give out loans to large corporates, uh, as I said, right, Tata or a Birla or an Ambani Reliance, mm-hmm. or let's say uh, a bank gives out loans to Mica, that comes under corporate lending. A bank gives out loan to you or Nitri, that becomes a retail lending. Right. So retail lending per se is not something new. It, it's something that has always existed across the world and in India as well. Next is co-lending. I think co-lending as a concept exists in both retail lending as well as corporate lending. Co-lending is simply when two or more than two institutions jointly lend to our customers. If you go to a bank and take a loan and banks gives you a customer, that is typically pure lending or one institution lending. Co-lending is when one or two or three banks typically lend to our customers. Now, co-lending or uh, syndicate banking is something that has existed in corporate banking for a long time. So when large corporates need thousands of crores of loan, one bank doesn't want to take that entire risk. And hence, one or two or three or five or eight banks give out loans to that customer. Right? I mean, just to give an example, and unfortunately, not the best of example, but let's say Vijay Malia, right? He had that syndicate lending where multiple banks had given out loans to uh, one customer. This is a this is a concept that exists when the loan amount is very large. So when it's a project finance or a large corporate loan, typically co-lending or syndicate lending happens. As far as retail lending is concerned, co-lending as a concept in retail lending is a very new concept. Uh, what happens is there are a lot of fintechs who have the tech, who have the technology for customer acquisition and underwriting, but don't have too much of funds. Okay. Whereas there are banks who have funds, right? So then what happens is a fintech that doesn't have that much fund and a bank that has fund but doesn't have doesn't have the best uh, customer acquisition capability especially digital customer acquisition they combine and the fintech is okay i'll acquire the customer and be, but because i don't have that many funds the fintech and bank typically co-lend to a customer uh, so that they can uh, take advantage of strength of both the organization as far as risk about retail lending right retail lending actually is low risk than corporate lending Simply because it's a hedge risk, right? Think of it this way. You give out 100 rupees to one customer versus giving out 1 rupee to 100 customers, right? So when you give out 1 rupee to 100 customer, you are hedging your risk. And you know, it is possible that out of those 100, 3 or 4 may default, but the other 96 or 97 will yet give out your loan to you. So the risk in retail lending is actually lower compared to a corporate lending where you are giving large amount of money to one customer. So that's how it is. Retail lending actually uh, is lower risk than corporate lending. There would there could obviously be time period when you know because of the lending practices etc. The retail lending is actually higher risk. But in general, both in India as well as abroad, retail lending is always less risky than corporate lending. Sure, sir. So that was such an amazing conversation. Yeah. And you gave us so much perspective into the fintech industry, the retail lending concept, and just finance in general. So, sir, before we close this podcast session, as young professionals, we would love to know your thoughts on managing personal finance and what are the some of the do's and don'ts that you would want us or would not want us to follow at all? So, I think first thing is from the time you get your first salary, make sure that you start saving at least 20% of your net taking salary. Don't wait for even second month. Uh, make sure you start saving and increase this percentage, let's say from 20% to 50% over the next five, seven years. So, I think saving is the most important thing. Uh, saving is a culture that I think all our parents had. I think somewhere we uh, lack as far as savings is concerned. Our generation, the millennials, we lack. 
as far as savings are concerned. So I think that is something that you should definitely start with. Start with a lower percentage initially and that increase that percentage uh, percentage of your net take-home salary. Second is as far as once you have saved, invest in both a mix of debt and equity. Uh, typically when you start today, you guys are 25, 26 year old, start with an equity to debt ratio 4 is to 1. And then obviously over a period of time, as your age increases, you can increase the proportion of debt. Third advice I'll give you is uh, avoid traditional endowment plans from insurance uh, firms. Uh, I would personally recommend, and you know, uh, different people may have different perspective on this, but personally I would recommend invest in mutual fund or direct equity or FDs, ULIPs, bond, etc. Fourth suggestion I'll give you, you, you guys have all seen COVID you know what happens people lost their job right a lot of people actually lost their job a lot of people had to take pay cuts etc right so always keep enough funds for a rainy day once you are working let's say one year two year or three year into your job make sure you have six months of monthly expenditure saved in a current account in a savings account or in an fd or in a liquid fund at any point of time so that you know god forbid if at all you know something happens you don't have a job immediately or you have a sudden expenditure right a medical expenditure in the family with you etc so always keep six months of expenditure uh, money with you in a liquid form it could be a savings account or it could be a liquid fund investment etc so keep six months uh, funds liquid uh, next will be buy uh, life and health insurance plans as soon as possible a lot of people buy health and life insurance but they buy it in their mid-30s, 40s, etc. Once you do that, the cost of those uh, plans increases significantly. Before 30, before you turn 30, buy life and health insurance. As far as life insurance is concerned, buy plan which is 10 times or 20 times of your CTC at that point of time. And as far as health insurance is concerned, even if your employer gives you a health insurance plan, most of the time your employer will give you a health insurance plans. Even then you should buy a top of health insurance to keep you safe. I think broadly these are it. Uh, save money, invest uh, wisely, buy the right kind of products and insure yourself by buying uh, life and health insurance. Definitely, sir. Try and incorporate most of these learnings. And thank you so much, sir, for this insightful conversation. And we are sure that our listeners would learn a lot after listening to this podcast. It was an honor for us to host you and getting to learn and understanding things directly from you. Thank you so much, sir. Thank, thanks, Piyush. Thanks, Nitpit. I think pleasure talking to all of you. I have always heard very good things about uh, Micah. I have had a few interactions with uh, your team, I think, seven, eight years back during a fest when I had met with Micah team. Always had very uh, high regard for the college, uh, which is a great college. And, you know, uh, one of the leaders as well as marketing and uh, advertising in India is concerned. Pleasure to interact with you guys. Pleasure to interact with Micah. Thanks a lot for this opportunity. Sure. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Mazan, sir. It was our pleasure. Thank you.